0: The land of Faerun is grand in scale and full of unique places, some beautiful to look at, some absolutely terrifying to be within, and some with ancient stories to be told throughout the generations. Within the heart of the land, however, lies one place of grand significance, a place that is filled with crowded streets of commerce and people looking for their next great opportunity. A city that is so beautiful and prosperous, it has refugees pouring in in their hundreds looking for places to live and for financial opportunities. But whilst this city is known for its beauty and its prosperity, its history is much grander and has been through some real hardships and dark times to get where it is today. This city-state would be known to all as Baldur's Gate, or simply The Gate, the largest metropolis and city-state of the Sword Coast within the Western Heartlands region of Faerun. Within this modern era, the city is an area filled with lawmakers and peacekeepers, making sure that no matter what wars are going on around the lands, this will always be a safe haven, and thanks to its guards, and mercenaries hired to watch over it, it has stayed like that for many years. That said, however, this city attracts individuals who are desperate to make money no matter what, attracting smugglers and terrifying criminals who will do everything to suck the riches out of those living within the gate. So how did Baldur's Gate come into existence? What was the full story behind this metropolis? What goes on within its walls? And where is it now within the late 15th century? Well, in today's episode, we'll be diving into the lore behind this prosperous city and exploring the individuals and groups that made it what it is today and if you do like this video please do give it a like leave a nice comment and subscribe to the channel for more Baldur's Gate lore and many others and word of warning this does contain spoilers if you haven't completed Baldur's Gate 3 yet but for now this is the story behind the grand city known all over Faerun as Baldur's Gate Back before the city was even a concept drawn on a piece of paper, the great Plateau where it would one day sit would be known by the name of Locke's Fist, which would be ruled by a hill giant named Locke. Locke was an incredibly powerful individual who would be the leader of the faction known as the Eagle Knights, and was said to be the most powerful man in all of Euletos, within the Payet region. Locke would go on to rule this area for many years, making a name for himself all over within different wars and political gains. Within the period of time known as the Year of boiling moats, minus 359 DR in the Age of Humanity, something dark would happen within this region, which looked to have happened behind Locke's back, that or something he didn't really care about. During this period of time, the then mortal god of violence and ritualistic killing would commit their first murder in a back alley of this very region of Faerun. With that first murder, the mortal god Baal would take that victim's blood and use it to form the legendary dagger that would be known to many as the Bloodthirst a blade that would see many, many more murders later in its existence. As time went on and Faerun entered a new age named the Year of the Rising Flames, or Zero DR, Locke would finally pass away and the plateau he inhabited now saw an influx of new people entering it, as they would go on and set up the first fishing settlement, which would be named something very similar to what it used to be, going from Locke's Fist to now the village of Lockley. As time continued on and more settlements started being set up within this part of the region, one harbour settlement would go on to be renowned for being a well-hidden hotspot for pirates, scavengers and ghostlighters. The goal of these individuals was to lure in ships coming into the region, tricking them on where land was as they sailed through the foggy coast, eventually leading them to crash and come aground until they were completely boarded and attacked with all of their goods being seized by the ghostlighters and pirates. With their mission done, they would then take their pillaged goods, get in their rowing boats and sail up the river Chiantha small bay which is where their secluded haven would be that would be known as Grey Harbour. This trick continued on for many years and because of it, both Grey Harbour and Lockley thrived during this time. And by the year of 204 DR, the year of the Avarice, both of these settlements worked together as one and became known as a port of call for ships from all over the Sword Coast, where it would now hold its own shipyard and visitors' wharves for them. Whilst Grey Harbour thrived in this time, one individual living there known as Balduran was making a grand name for himself as he would go off on seafaring adventures Across the whole of the world, together with his closest friend Ansur, a bronze dragon he met out on his travels. As these two spent years traveling the wide open oceans, seeing places such as the continent of Anchorome and far beyond the elven isle of Evermeet, they would both venture back to their home in Grey Harbor, bringing back their vast wealth that they had gained from their long travels, with Balduran hiding away some of it within hidden caches. Seeing his town that he'd left before he went away on his travels grow in scale since they were last there, Balduran and Ansur both invested in their little town and put a lot of the wealth gained into building a great granite wall to make sure that Balduran's home was thoroughly protected from orcs and barbarians looking to take the land for themselves. With that great wall being built, Balduran and Ansur enjoyed their time in their now heavily protected land, seeing it turn from two settlements into one town and now a great prospering city. The era was now the 11th century and for Balduran, he was wanting to go out on a more grand adventure, but this time without his closest friend Ansur, leaving him behind in the city to be there as its protector. But with that, Ansur promised Baldurin that if the time came, he would protect the city if its existence was ever threatened. And after all of that, the two would split ways thinking they'd never see each other ever again, something that would later on go on to change due to other events. After this departure, rumors started to spread all over the area about what had happened to these two legendary explorers. Some of the rumors claimed that Balduran's wealth had not been completely depleted by the building of the wall and was located outside of the city in one of the many caves along the Sword Coast Cliffs, known as the Sword's Teeth. Others, however, had a different idea, stating that Balduran's wealth was in fact located far beneath the city and protected by a wide variety of things, such as titans trapped in stasis and golems. The same was believed about where Ansur, the bronze dragon, was as well. With many believing they would live up to their Promise to Baldurin and protect the city when it most needed saving, making some believe this dragon was indeed below the city as well. But despite everything, these were just rumours and the whereabouts of both Ansur and Balduran were completely unknown, until late in the 15th century anyway. With Balduran off on his last adventure now, the local farmers took control of the wall's construction and instead of using it to protect the harbour which brought in the area's wealth and travellers, used it to in fact protect their own homes and farmsteads. With this, the nearby townsfolk flocked in their masses to the town for protection, and because of it, the hamlet swelled in size. With these new changes going on after Baldurin's disappearance, the walled region of Grey Harbor became known to all now as Old Town. Whilst the newly constructed building between the southern wall and the harbor would be known as Heapside, and with all of those great big changes to the area and the mass influx of settlers, this new prospering area became known to everyone as the city of Boulder's Gate, named after the legendary explorer who invested most of, if not all, of his wealth into making his home safe and grand in scale. With the big split happening within the city thanks to the wall being used to separate Old Town and the seafarers down in the harbour, hostilities started to take place. With both not seeing eye to eye on matters, the Old Towners introduced a new tax system in which they would tax any carts coming north from the harbour through the main city of Boulder's Gate. This caused uproar amongst the seamen who saw it as them being hindered just because of where they came from. And almost immediately on the tax bill being introduced, the people from the harbour refused to pay the those from the old town but that wasn't the end of it as the people of heapside were furious with what had been put upon them and suddenly that irritation turned into anger as the smugglers pirates and merchants of the area stormed up into the main part of the city breaching the main gate and taking over old town as the rioters got to the keep of the high hall to continue their siege the foremost senior sea captains forced the hands of the farmer lords and got them to surrender bringing about an end to the small conflict after this a vote took place between the two parties, and with that vote, it was decided that the retired captains would be installed as the new leaders of the city, and jokingly were called the Dukes, and thus a new age was made for the city, where Baldur's Gate would be ruled by the selected Dukes, all thanks to this tax revolt. A few years after this, a new nation would be formed that would be known as the Nation of Am. Um. Because of this, Boulder's Gate and its city expanded massively thanks to a surge in trade. Because of this influx in funds, the two districts went through yet another name change, with the people of the harbour that was known as Heapside changing their name to the Lower City, and the people of the Old Town being changed to the Upper City. And with that new name for both of them, the two worked well together and finally intertwined, as the city's walls was expanded to protect the Lower City even more on the northern shores part. Thanks to all of this, the city now had become the most powerful force in the western heartlands, and was a perfect neutral ground that only looked out for itself and its trade links not linking itself to any warring factions or political figures. They did, however, join the Lord's Alliance, an organization that brought together all of the merchant cities, but despite joining them, the Dukes of Baldur's Gate only requested their help once since joining. This was in the year of the Black Horde, 1235 DR, when a large legion of orcs attempted to invade, an army far too large for the people of Baldur's Gate to defend against. With the help of the Lord's Alliance, Baldur's Gate was sent a top military general, Eldarith, to drive them away, and single-handedly defended the city in the initial attacks. That said, however, as the orcs got more vicious, communications between her and the gate broke down, with the dukes refusing to help her with her requests, leading to her army being slaughtered. With this, the gate deemed her a traitor and disobedient, and she, along with her company, were banished from the city for good. Furious at being kicked out of the city she swore to protect, Eldrith seized it herself, but to no use, as they were slaughtered, massively, leading to her grim fate out within the Marsh of Chelimba, where she would be put to the sword, being beaten and brutally attacked, but she refused to die, even bringing herself back to life to seek her vengeance, and eventually forming her own dark alliance with various monsters and Baldur's Gate Thieves' Guild, wearing her new title as a badge of honor, as she would be known as Eldrith the Betrayer. The ear was now the 14th century and the new faction known as the Flaming Fists, a powerful mercenary company, began operating within the city walls. Later in the year of the Banner, 1368 DR, a man known as the Bullspawn, Saravek Enchov, orchestrated a major conspiracy that the nation of Am was causing a massive iron shortage and had assassinated several important figures within Baldur's Gate to try and get the city to start a war against the nation to help his merchantile organization known as the Iron Throne. The truth was he had poisoned the iron supplies within the mines and had a group of bandits capture all of the untainted ore along the whole of the Sword Coast, as well as infiltrating rival trading companies with doppelgangers to drive them into financial ruin. Despite massive pleas by the leaders of the nation, the new leader of the Iron Throne, Savarok himself, would become the Grand Duke of the city and immediately declared war on them. The sole reason for this was so that he could then reap all of the profits of the war by selling the untainted iron to make weapons and reap all of the gold in the process. Eventually, the Iron Throne would be bested by another spawn and their party of adventurers, with all of their iron, bandits, doppelgangers, and assassins being killed in the process, shutting down their operation. And on top of all of that, went on to stop the crowning ceremony in which Savarok would have officially become Grand Duke of Baldur's Gate, shutting down his conspiracy plans once and for all. But sadly for Baldur's Gate, things weren't to settle down here as suddenly hundreds of refugees came pouring into the area, all who had been displaced by the ongoing warpath of the brutal leader known as the Shining Lady, who had begun a crusade to take over the whole of the coast. Baldur's Gate knew they had to take action against this, and the Flaming Fists were the ones to stand the ground, forming a coalition with nearby armies to fight against her crusade, meeting her forces at Dragonspear Castle, which saw her lose spectacularly thanks to the overwhelming might of the forces from Baldur's Gate, Waterdeep and Daggerford. Leaving the Shining Lady without her power and her conquest on the Sword Coast would officially come to an end. Later in that same century, a group that would be known as the Zantams Guild moved into Baldur's Gate during the period that was known as the Year of the Lightning Storms 1374 DR. During this time, the infamous Eldrith the Betrayer and her Dark Alliance would raise their head once again as the three adventurers known as Van, Kromlech and Adriana would discover whilst also taking on the new guild entering the city and thwarting their plans. Here the adventurers would find that the betrayer was working down below the city with the thieves guild plotting to destroy the city completely with Eldrith raising her disciple a vampire known as Mordok Salamir being the one to commit the act. However once again like all of those who sought to do harm to the city of Baldur's Gate and its adventurers Mordok too was taken out and yet again the city would be saved as humanity went into to the era known as the Year of the Bent Blade, 1376 DR. To end what was a pretty dismal year for the people of Baldur's Gate, the whole of Faerun would be plunged into an extremely dark period as its people would be hit with a cataclysmic event known as the Spell Plague that would devastate the land and its people. But luckily once again for the people of Baldur's Gate, they would be completely unaffected by the blue fire that was raining down from the sky, and people once again flocked to its gates knowing that it was considered an open city and safe from any harm within just a few years of the spell plague hitting the land Baldur's Gate's population tripled in size and thankfully for the people living there who had for many years they were still able to support themselves despite the dramatic increase in growth and expansion but with the 14th century now coming to an end surely that would be the end of terrible events that fell upon the city right well not really as the 15th century was to bring about more turmoil and situations that made it worse for the people living there For a while, during the 1400s, all seemed to be going well, but right in the middle of that century, the Grand Duke of Baldur's Gate, Velarquin, along with General Ikhal and a group of Lycan troops, known as the Band of the Red Moon, would go on to take over the whole of the city, plotting to take out all of the leadership. As the group set everything up, they would fail in their overall attack, which triggered the leadership of Baldur's Gate to come together and reform the Baldurian government, bringing forward with all of the powerful entities within the city, a council of four that were hand-elected. With Velakan now outed as Grand Duke, Abdel Adrian would go on to replace him as both that Grand Duke, but also the Marshal of the Flaming Fist. And it didn't take long before Abdel's rule helped Baldur's Gate to grow even further, as in the year known as the Year of the Ageless One, 1479 DR, Baldur's Gate was Faerun's most powerful city out there, as it had incredible stability thanks to its new government and its overwhelming wealth. Not only that, but their problems with Velarkin and the nation of Am were now over, and they could finally just focus on what was going on in their markets and businesses instead of what was going on outside of the city walls. That said, they did keep a good relationship with other nations, such as Iltugard, and the other powers within the Western heartlands. But whilst their growth and finances seemed to be all in check, down on the actual streets, tension was starting to rise as the expansion of their city was being seen as too much, with some siding that it was good for the city and others hating how big they were getting, leading to what looked like a civil war. Within the year 1482 DR, Grand Duke Abdel would go on to make a public speech about everything going on, on the day that was named the Returning Day. During this speech, Adrian would go on to be attacked by a man named Vkang, the only other remaining Belsporn other than Adrian. To many, they would hear and witness the fight, but strangely, no one knew who was the true victor of it. The only thing that was sure was that both of these men would go on to die one at the hands of their mortal sibling and the other transforming into the Slayer, an avatar of the long-dead Baal. With the Grand Duke now dead, the city would quickly point the finger at the criminal organization within the city known only as the Guild, essentially the Thieves Guild of Baldur's Gate, based within the Lower City, and with them pointing the blame at them, would enlist a group of adventurers to help investigate what truly happened. Not long after this event, criminal activity rose massively with things like robberies, vandalism and murders happening on on a regular basis forcing the Flaming Fists the mercenary group looking over the city to take action and fight back against the active criminals but this fight on crime only seemed to be happening within the lower city and outer city regions making people believe that the ones at the top saw them as lessers and the upper city residents saw themselves as better than them on top of that the Baldurian government stepped in and passed a new law forcing the residents of the city to wear appropriate attire befitting their station and if they didn't they'd be seen as a criminal and arrested. But this did not sit right with the people as you'd expect, as the Vandals hit back against the government, removing the hands of beloved statues that decorated the city. With the adventurers doing everything they could do to find out what truly happened, their efforts as well as the flaming fists would eventually be for nothing, as the whole of the city erupted into chaos, turning the lower city and upper city against one another. City workers went on strike against their bosses, and as a result, up within the upper city, a strict curve was put into place starting from mid-afternoon which as you can imagine really did not go down well especially with the merchant class of the lower city who became even more enraged by the government's actions. Not only was it the lower city residents rebelling but the outer city stood their ground as well regularly protesting against the city officials which eventually led to petty vandalism then to arson and eventually kidnappings. Seeing this the government continued to put more things into place to silence the ongoing uproar and shut down the free press of the city, which was known as Baldur's Mouth, as well as having the leader of the Fist setting up a series of illegal tribunals. Eventually, the outer city residents clashed with a contingent of Flaming Fist soldiers in the district of Norchapel, which was the final trigger for bloody conflict, and suddenly, with news of this attack happening, riots erupted throughout all of the lower and outer regions. With these riots happening all over, a large explosion erupted within Broomridge, and finally, the government had had enough, and place the whole city under martial law, hoping that it would put the people in their place once and for all. Finally, after all of that, the adventurers who were sent out to find out what truly had happened to the Grand Duke discovered that there was an underground plot to rid the corrupted Baldurian parliament once and for all and these riots were all part of the plan. Led by one of the other Grand Dukes of Baldur's Gate, Torlin Silvershield, this campaign was to try and sever the guild's subversive influence over the Baldurian officials. Eventually, it was revealed that Torlin was not just an influential individual who lived within the city, who was in fact the reascended god of murder known as Baal, and whence by the title of Chosen. As the Chosen's plan went ahead, he would go on to be bested by the same adventurers who discovered his plot in the first place, and together were able to rid the world of Baal once again, allowing the city to to recover the best it could. But the last piece of history that brings us up to the date within this grand city was when the rise of the Cult of the Absolute was taking place all over Feyrun in the late 15th century. With the Cult growing in power on a daily basis, they would be led by three individuals wanting to bring about a new age of the Absolute. These individuals would be chosen by their select gods, including Orin the Red, the Avatar of Baal, Kethric Thorne, the Chosen of Merkel, the God of Decay and Exhaustion, and en- Gorash, Bane, the god of tyrannical oppression, terror, and hate's chosen. As the cult got bigger, they would eventually bring into existence the Elder Brain, who would lead their grand armies into Boulder's Gate, causing destruction on their path, forcing yet again more refugees to pour into the city to try and escape the destruction the cult was laying out on the land. It would be down to a group of individuals who were all infected by the Illithid tadpole, but were somehow not fully transforming into a full on mind flayer to travel travel into the city and gain companions to try and fight back against the cult and the Elder Brain, either killing it or controlling it once and for all. But within this city, these adventurers would go on to witness where the city was at this point in time, now under the rule of Gorash. The hostilities between the upper and lower cities, the countless murders happening within the streets and dark alleys, the hidden secrets once left by the city's founder, Balduran, as well as the many characters and leaders still living within the grand metropolis. Essentially, it's safe to say that Baldur's Gate City has had a long, rich history of events, but it has always overcome them and stood stronger no matter what hit it. Even though the Elder Brain might seem like the biggest threat it has ever faced, it is almost certain that it will overcome it and grow in size and wealth and become better because of it. What the future holds for this city is a story for another day. But the people living there get to experience a city that is rich in culture and funds, has beautiful aesthetics everywhere you look, and despite its problems, it is still seen as one of the best places to live within all of Feyrun, even if it is being attacked by a powerful army, dangerous corrupt politicians, or even a god itself. Who knows what the 16th century will bring this fair city, but as has been mentioned before, it's clear that Baldur's Gate will always live on and adapt to everything happening to it or around it. But for now, this has been the full history behind this grand metropolis on the Sword Coast. This has been the full story of Baldur's Gate this gates city